Hello and welcome to the MS for Mama podcast. I'm your host, Abby Halberstadt, happy wife, mama to 10, Bible-believing Christian. And on today's episode, I have such a fun treat for you. Before we get started, I want to mention our sponsor, Milk and Honey Jewelry. You guys have heard me talk about how beautiful their jewelry is and how it's something that you're going to want to pass down to future generations. It is that high of quality. You can use the code Abby15, A-B-B-I-E-1-5 to get 15% off your order. All you do is send in a sample of breast milk or formula to commemorate the time of feeding your little one. And then they send you back beautiful jewelry where they turn your breast milk or your formula into a stone. And it looks just like a stone that you can treasure forever. So if you want to check them out, you can go to milkandhoney.jewelry and use that code. Okay, so today I have, drum roll please. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> okay, there's gonna be a lot of giggling. I can already tell, sorry. Be prepared, y'all. <laughs> so today on the show, I have my best friend in the whole wide world, Lindsay Long. Hi, Hi Lindsay. Hi, Abby. <laughs> that jewelry thing is so cool. I didn't I know. know. I didn't know it was a thing. Yes, sorry. <laughs> yes, it totally is a thing. Um, yeah, you literally like it's like a little teaspoon or half a teaspoon yeah. of breast milk, and it's this beautiful pearlescent stone. And then you get to be like, "This is the memory of my yeah. feeding my baby or babies." Yeah, you can do more. more. Okay, I don't lactate anymore, but <laughs> no, <everything>. no, sorry, <laughs> but it's been a minute. Yeah, it's been a minute. <laughs> Unfortunately. Uh, um. So this is my best friend Lindsay Long. If you have read either Emma's for Mama or Heart Is Not the Same Thing as Bad. And then when you read book three, mystery book three, um, you will have seen her beautiful illustrations. She is an amazing artist. Her portrait art is ridiculous. It is just, I mean, the way you use light and texture to make people's eyes and hair and stuff come alive is just, just phenomenal. I'm not sweet. I'm truthful. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Anyway, so we live close to each other, about mm -hmm. 20 minutes apart. We have been friends well, at least acquaintance friends for like 20 years. Yeah, 2006. Oh, would have been got, she's got the Well, she's just the because day. it was the year we started teaching. 2005. 2005 started because teaching. it's the year that I got married. Yes, because so. I was not married because you were at my wedding. That's right. And we still are like, anyways, yeah. Yeah. So we ended up teaching at the same private school together. Mm -hmm. But you taught art mm -hmm. in the other building. Mm -hmm. And I taught high school Spanish in the main building and so our paths didn't cross very often but when they did we always found something to talk yeah. about like it was easy to strike up a conversation remember when we talked about um birth control that's right and the, and the art storage yes <laughs> sorry that was, we were, we were, i had no kids and you had ezra in the stroller and it was right. yeah it was really it was really impactful yeah yes. yeah so i i cornered her in the closet <laughs> <You> corner me <laughs> and and um and answered her questions about birth control yeah. and i think i was part of the reason why you got off of it yeah well I, yeah i was only on it i guess like a month but yeah, yeah it would definitely you were the reason i never tried anything different in yeah. that in that department yeah so anyways so which that that's a whole podcast in and of itself yeah. if you're like wait what are we talking about yeah that's that was that was a rabbit trail that's totally fine so Lindsay, tell us a little bit about yourself oh gosh um i feel like you set the stage really well um i live near abby i have three kids they are 15 13 10 would have happily had more um i I'm an artist, like Abby said, I've illustrated her books and then do just commission portraiture and kind of really anything anybody wants me to do. Um, then I homeschool. This is our third year. I've not homeschooled as long as you, you know that 
I know I'm talking to you, but I'm talking to them. Anyways, um, homeschool the kids. And I don't know. That's me right now. Those are my identities. Currently. No, you forgot the I talked you into being a body pump. Instructor. Oh, yeah. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> that's the new one. Um, yeah. So. Well. Fitness and- instruction. Uh, business owner. I guess I should have said that. We own a bakery. Um, and I don't know. I guess that's it. She's, that's- she's not busy at all. Yeah. She never has anything going on ever. Yeah. I'm also not used to talking about myself, so I'm trying to, like, this is me, but I'm sure there's more to it. So. There there definitely is more to it. Um, so we have been at the same gym, which has really helped facilitate the growth of our relationship. That's, yeah, that's when we really kicked off, because you were pregnant with Della, and I was... Which Della is pre- 13 years old. Pregnant with so. Elisha, who's mm-hmm. 13. Mm-hmm. She's younger? When His birthday's October? No, he's November 16th. Oh they're, yeah, they're like she's five, younger by five days. Yeah, okay, that's yeah. right. So we basically were pregnant at the same time, and um, although I still don't think we were spending tons of time together at that point, it wasn't till after I joined yeah Wood Creek, and then a little after that. So I taught at a gym for twelve years, which closed down two years ago. And when it closed down, because we'd had such good times for twelve years, we um, and and a huge part of our relationship, and I've talked about this um, in podcasts and various things, was walking the trails mm-hmm. near our gym mm-hmm. because our gym was super cool in allowing us to just leave our cell phone numbers, and then we might be two miles away from the gym on a walk. Mm-hmm. But if, as long as they could contact us and we could come back and change a diaper. Or, Calm mm-hmm. the kid down or whatever. They were cool with the fact that we weren't in the building, which yeah. is kind of unusual, I think. Well, yeah. And definitely it's like our therapy. Yes. You know, like it really that was, was and really set the tone. I mean, we pain pros started on the trail. Yes. Okay, we forgot to mention oh, yeah. that. Sorry. Yeah, we're not just best friends <laughs> and co like book authors slash illustrators. We have a business together called Paint and Pros, which I have mentioned here before. And Lindsay may have seemed like an ethereal, like, oh, that's the person that she does business with. Well, here she is in the flesh. And you have a... You have oh, a, that's yeah, right. I'm wearing a pink pros hat. So if you're watching this, instead of just listening, I'm wearing a flower mama hat. And this is something that Lindsay Drew, we designed together. So we have a working relationship. We pray for each other. Mm-hmm. We talk about absolutely everything. Mm-hmm. Everything. 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 Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever seen Lego Movie 2? But she goes, that's why I'm going to give you half of everything. And he goes, everything, everything. And she goes, everything, everything. <laughs> no, I'm I have like, not. <laughs> In fact, we talk about so much, I was worried that I would say things that you'd have to do too much editing because I'm just very, un- <laughs> not unfiltered in a bad way, but yeah, we talk about all of it. So, yeah. 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 And this is like, if you were to ever think like the concept of someone's person, Lindsay's my Aww. person. Well, I mean, you are. <laughs> It's not good to get me in the emotional stage yeah, well, this early we're just, on. We're going to start weeping <laughs> five minutes into the into the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Lord has really, really blessed me and healed many things in my heart through your relationship. I talk about in Heart is Not the Same Thing as Bad. There's a whole chapter mm-hmm. devoted to friendships and how it's hard mm-hmm. to find those kindred spirits and those people that will be true to you, that won't be jealous of you. That, or you feel jealous of them, like it goes either way, um, that will persevere through those times, you know, postpartum struggles, and that will support you, but also call you out. And I feel like we have um, something that is truly special, which is an iron sharpening iron mm-hmm. relationship. Mm-hmm. I feel like I can tell you something, and if I'm off, you will call me on it, and mm-hmm. vice versa. Agree? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. See, y'all, I'm trying. I'm trying to draw her out. I'm sorry. It it really is about four minutes of talking to her 30 seconds. Um, not not because 
it's a domineering thing. No, just I because- just, this is just, we just work this way anyways. So yeah. yeah, but she definitely, there are times when she's just chattering away and she's like, sorry, I'm talking so much. I'm like, no, go, go, go talk. Yeah. That was this morning <laughs> on the trail. Yeah. I kept apologizing for a second. Dominating the conversation. It's oh, rare. Yeah, it I is, was, it I is was rare. today. Um, so one of the reasons that I have you on here today is just to introduce someone that I love to the world. Mm-hmm. Ta-da, here's Lindsay. I love her. <laughs> she waved for the people that are not watching. She just did a Miss America wave. Oh, okay. Because yeah. you're right. Some people will listen. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Most people listen. Okay. So some people watch, most people listen. Um, and I guess the people that watch also listen. I'm assuming you're using your ears as well and not just trying to lip read. Um, but then I also had another specific reason mm-hmm. for inviting you on. And that is that... Um, sometimes I get messages from moms that say, I I think of one particularly that basically said, I enjoy your podcast. I glean some good things from there, but I have a hard time relating to you because you do not have a special needs child. And so, because that is my reality, because that's so impactful to me on an everyday basis, I would love it if you would bring on a mom who has special needs children or a special needs child. And so I thought of you. A, Mm -hmm. because you're my best friend. B, because you have walked a road of Mm -hmm. 15 years with a special needs child. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, My daughter, her name's Genevieve. We call her Evie. So not like Abby's Evie. They know you have an Evie, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. I know that it's like right now people are like hiding their kids and like not putting out real names. So for a second I was like. They do know I have an Evie. Most people think it's Evie, but yes, it's Evie. Um, anyways, so my Evie, um, without going into too much detail that the um, world does not need to know, um, there was a few complications when she was born and, um, she around three weeks old had multiple seizures, uh, was life flighted from our little, um, town to a bigger city and, um, had enough seizures within a 24 hour period that she it resulted in stroke level damage on both sides of her brain. Mm-hmm. So uh, at the time it was, um, I mean, there's a lot to say, I feel like on this, we're not just talking about how she became who she became, but I feel like um, knowing a little bit about it and how, just what a process it's been, it didn't start, you know, at 10, it started literally three weeks into her life was our first time to, start to interact with the medical community um, to start to have to make hard decisions about things that you're making decisions about something that might happen. So it's like making a decision for what could anyways, all of that. That's so at the very, very beginning, they said she may never walk or talk. Mm. She could have, or she could just have severe learning disabilities. We'll just have to see Mm -hmm. like time will tell sort of thing. And so we went back every three months Drove back and forth to the larger city and um, she kind of seemed fine, honestly, except that she would not sleep through the night. And she was my first and I thought I just didn't know what I was doing. And I read all the books and tried all the things and I was like, well, I guess I just, I'm just not good at this. I don't Mm -hmm. know, whatever thought Mm -hmm. I had. And then the second came along and I was like, "Mm, something's up. Anyways, fast forward when she was close to three is um, when we really started to see how this brain damage was going to manifest. And um, she, they won't diagnose certain things at a younger age, but uh, there was a lot in there from age three to six. That's ultimately why 
I stopped teaching at Grace was um, because I needed, I just needed to focus on her. It was a lot. Um, so anyway, she was diagnosed with autism at six. Um, she was given the epilepsy diagnosis at that three week age because she continued to have seizures and be on seizure medication. Um, she also has severe OCD, um, anxiety, and then she has, um, IDD. She has an intellectual disability. So her IQ is under 50, which is, um, I don't even know the appropriate way to say it, but that's like the downs range. If you, anything under that under 50. So, so yeah, it's, it's, it's a mixed bag. I mean, it's like, She's nine, nine years old is one level for some social stuff, yet she rates as pre-K for like reading and math. And, um, and then a lot of the emotional issues that come with true OCD, true OCD. Um, so, and there's a few other diagnoses since then, but yeah, that's. Hmm. So, so I don't know if I hit, hit everything you wanted me to hit. Yeah. So. So obviously you've got a very multifaceted, ever-changing, and because I've been your friend for so long, I've seen you mm -hmm. grapple with each new diagnosis that comes through. Mm -hmm. And I've seen you, you know, um, on the trail saying, mm. you know, I would have, I would have been an amazing girl mom. Mm, yeah. to a daughter who could receive that. And I will tell you that you are an amazing girl mom and boy mom. You are an amazing mom. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to make you cry. <laughs> um, and, and I have always told you this, but I will reiterate that one of the things that I admire the most about you is your refusal to uh, pity yourself. Mm. You, Lindsay is someone who declares God's goodness while still having lots of questions about what this is going to practically look mm -hmm. like. Yeah. So how do you feel like, because you are a strong Christian, mm -hmm. you love God and you love his word. How do you feel like that relationship with him has impacted how you've kind of confronted all of this? Yeah. I mean, I grew up, well, you know, I grew up in a, um, a Christian home, Christian conservative home and, um, had that, um, repetitious cycle of scripture being read to us every single day. And knowing that God is sovereign, I believe God is sovereign and that he, you know, like one of the Psalms 139, like he knows he forms us in our mother's wombs and, um, well, and you know, in your book, like the hard things that we have in life, um, are these, these pruning, these things that are giving us the ultimate art for our ultimate good is Christ himself is being made like him is making his name great. And like, you know, the greatest joy you can experience is that is making his name known, making his name great. So, um, not trying to tangent, but one of the things my dad always says a lot of times at our church in the benediction is, um, nothing is needful that he withholds. Everything is needful that he gives. Mm. So like when you think, well, I need this or I need that. And why didn't God give it to me? 
that ultimate will nothing if he is withholding it from you it's not needful for mm-hmm. where he's taking you mm-hmm. but everything is needful that he gives and um for a while i would say like at the very beginning um it i don't i don't know this might sound really negative so i don't want you guys to receive this in that way but it kind of is a little bit like a death where mm-hmm. you realize someone's died but you cannot in and of yourself and your human shell and capacity drink the full cup of what that means in a week, right? It's mm-hmm. like six months later when you think you hear their voice and you have to remind yourself they're gone. Or when you, a year later when it's Christmas, it's like you have to take it in doses because our... Because you're talking about kind of the death of what could have been. Correct. Yeah. And I was going to kind of break that down. Yes, Sorry, exactly. No, you're fine. But like that, it's like that Be where, where you kind of hear, okay, well, she has this thing and you're like, okay, okay. You know, and you don't know what is being told to you at the time because you haven't yet come to the point where you have to process the death of this dream and the death of this dream. And I, I mean, that's a grace from God. I don't think that, I think that's why grief is quote a process. I mean, there's books on it. There's mm-hmm. steps to processing mm-hmm. it. Cause I think we as humans cannot do it all at once. Mm-hmm. So it, it is definitely a grieving thing. And, but what's interesting and what I've had to ask myself somewhat and is what am I grieving? Mm. Am I grieving what I thought her life should have looked like? Or am I grieving like certain freedoms that I've lost? Mm. You know, I mean, yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to have an empty nest. I think you that know? a lot of moms with disabled children who are severely disabled and know that theirs is a, um, theirs is a future of lifelong care mm-hmm. and knowing like they love their child enough to give that to them. And that is, that is a form of um, sacrifice that in a way they are happy to give because this is my child and I love yeah. them. I think a lot of them also just said, yes, exactly. Yeah. People don't understand. Yep. If you have this prospect of one day you will have all of your children out and then they will be self-sufficient and they will come home and visit mm-hmm. and there will be Thanksgiving and Christmas and hopefully children and grandchildren, and all these things. But when that's not even on the table, you're right. You, there's going to be some grief of like, I don't, I don't do that stage. I don't go to that step. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and even, um, I don't know that I'll watch my daughter have a kid. Yeah. Like, I don't know that I'll get that joy of doing that. Um, and so again, like if, if I was to be shown that, I don't know, like, you know, in multi pictures all at once when I'm getting this diagnosis at the age of six or even at, you know, when she was 17 days old and they're like, she has stroke on both sides of her brain. Mm. She may never walk or talk. Yeah. I didn't have the ability to comprehend what it meant that I will be her caregiver. Like we at 18, we will apply for guardianship. We will be with her. Um, but it, it, a good friend of mine, her son is, has downs and she lives in Houston. And one time she told me that they are, uh, they have, she and her husband have what they call mini funerals. And it's a funeral for like this dream you didn't even know you had. And dream's a big word, but you know, this, this, just this thing you thought would happen. Like, oh wait, all the other kids are going to their first dance. Mm-hmm. Minus not. Mm-hmm. All the other kids are getting their license. Minus not. Mm-hmm. All the other kids are reading. Minus not. Yeah. And you just kind of, um, I think that 
what helps this process is acknowledging that that is, I'm going to grieve for that. And that you have your funeral, you bury that thing and then you move on. And I may, that may sound like a little too practical or blunt, but like to, for me, I, if I don't acknowledge that part of this is a grief, then I don't think that, um, I don't think I'll have the, I don't know, the full capacity or the strength to be who I need to be for Evie. If, mm-hmm. instead, if I just bury, which I've done before, I've in the past hard things, I just kind of buried. Yeah. So, but also that being said, like, what am I grieving? Well, I'm grieving this thing that for, for a lot of these things, it was things that I just thought of for her. Now, have I gotten to the point where I'm having to grieve with her when she says, why won't anybody play with me? Mm. Why don't I have friends? Like that's sad. Yeah. But you know, I mean, and again, like you, you've written this book that, you know, you kind of wrote on the trail. Like we talked through all of, um, like a lot of hard is not the same thing as bad Mm -hmm. was us talking through real things we were going through and just, um, like what, what is everyone's going to hard, hard going to be? I, for, for so long, this was my testimony. This is my heart that I have this child. But then at one point I was kind of struck with, I don't know, it was pride or conviction, but I'm like, this isn't just my testimony. This is Evie's testimony. Mm-hmm. This is her life yeah. too. Yeah, and um, I look at it at this point and I'm not done. Obviously, you know that I have to help her shower and mm-hmm. I'm not done. And I'll be doing this for as long as God um, lets me, but it's a, it's a let, it's a privilege to be able to serve her in that way because she knows God, this is her life too. And anyways, I just, um, don't know if that's making a lot of sense, but those are kind of the most recent things I've been grappling with. And also, like I said, just the knowing that everything that he gives is a way for me to empty myself more so that I, more of him and less of me mm. so I can know him more. You yeah. Know? As you were talking and you were talking about burying those dreams and kind of putting that in the ground, mm-hmm. um, immediately John 12, 24 through 26, I had to look it up my, on my phone really quickly to make sure that I didn't botch it came to mind. It says very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls mm. to the ground and dies, mm-hmm. it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it. While anyone who hates their life in this world We'll keep it for eternal life. And I just really want to encourage you. I'm always encouraging my readers. And I tell you the same thing, but I mean, just here right now, you are doing eternal work Mm. and pouring yourself out for Evie and putting those dreams of quote normalcy and expectations Mm -hmm. for these milestones into Mm -hmm. the ground and saying these I will bury Mm. and put to death for the sake of serving my daughter where she is. Because what you just said is so profound. It's not just your story. It's not even just Evie's story. It's your husband's story and your boy's story. Because he has two brothers who are um, kind to her, but Mm -hmm. deal with the repercussions of someone who struggles to interact with with conflict and Mm -hmm. with things kind of throwing off her schedule and things like that. Yeah. It's not always kind interaction. I no, mean, I, I'm not kind yeah. all the time <laughs> when, when things get 
in my way. I mean, just we we just moved. If you're watching this, you'll notice that we're back in the normal girl cave surroundings. You'll notice there's not a plant behind us anymore because it died, y'all. <laughs> it's it did. <laughs> oh yeah, actually, it's just out of the range of the of the camera because it is so crispy. Um, all my plants are dead. It's sad. Crispy at best. Yeah, crispy at best. So we we have this, and y'all, my house is total chaos. And last night there were two times that I just spoke way more strictly than I needed to. Why? Because, well, I'm sinful and the Lord's still working on my heart to not be impatient when I'm tired mm -hmm. and when I'm stressed and when there is utter chaos in my house and there's boxes everywhere and um, nothing's where I can't find anything, you know? And so my sweet, one of my sweet girls, I was trying to tell her where to put something and, you know, it was like top left drawer and she's not anywhere near the top left drawer. And, and but, the, but of course, the more strongly I put it, the more I paralyzed her brain to be yeah. able to she, do. I don't know what you know, the, the, she's the, just, the, the thing. It's, it's everywhere but the top left yeah. drawer. And I had to apologize and say like, I don't, I don't know what, a, probably just my being like top left, top left or the repetition yeah. is just shutting your brain down. And, um, I messed that up and I'm sorry. So that's me that hasn't ever had a stroke, hasn't mm. ever had, you know, seizures. Mm -hmm. And when I'm stressed and things don't go my way, I end up having to apologize for things, but I'm, you know, more accountable because I don't have those limitations mm -hmm. and those developmental things. And so when you were saying it's not just your story, it's Evie's story as well. The thing that came to mind was that you are declaring that her life has great dignity, even though mm -hmm. the world mm -hmm. often views us and our worth and measures it by what we can contribute yep. to yep. quote normal society. By output. What can we produce? Yep. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, and you are declaring by saying it is a privilege. I get to serve my daughter mm -hmm. and I get to be part of her story that she is so much an image bearer just mm -hmm. the same as the rest of us mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um like you say it's not fully your story to tell but kind of can you talk about if you choose to um how what it's like to kind of mother a daughter who needs all of these modifications and special attentions while also kind of trying to balance that because I have a feeling that's something that a lot of moms who have special needs children struggle with. How do I, how do I give even attention and not oh, prioritize? Um, well, and that, you know, that's why we originally homeschooled. Yeah. So, and I don't know. I mean, I know, I know everyone's work or, you know, financial situation is different and some people, I guess, you know, need to do have multiple jobs anyways, um, which, I guess I do have multiple jobs, you but multiple I, jobs. um, <laughs> but Evie, you have fought hard to make the homeschooling thing work within I, that framework. I have. Yeah. So, um, it, it is hard. And I mean, even just recently this week, you know, the things, you know, we've been going through, mm -hmm. I didn't mean to shake mm -hmm. that. Um, I do feel like when I get to the end of this road, there will be things that my sons may be like, man, I kind of wish y'all wouldn't have done this, this or this, mm -hmm. but we're making the best decisions we can with the information we have in front of us. Yep. So it is hard. Evie does have outbursts. She is very difficult to respond to. You can't really require the same things of her. Yeah. Um, she has, she has chores. She has things she's supposed to do, but it may look like picking up this shirt and putting it here versus the boys are going to do the whole basket of laundry. Anyways, yeah. that being said, 
she um at the very about three or four years ago um I just wanted to be able to give my boys a good amount of me but when Evie would be around she kind of would suck the it's it's not a kind way to say it but kind of like suck the oxygen out of a room just because of how much she required and um and she's mobile and she's verbal and so I think for your listeners that have children that have that handicap, that probably is even, even harder. But so we decided to homeschool the boys because she was in uh, life skills in the um, local public school setting. So she was gone during the day and I could give my boys that, that time um, knowing that I only have them till 16, 17, 18, whatever yeah. age, you know, and um, Evie will have, will have, and that's <laughs> by a miracle, you know, um, something changes, we'll always have her. And so that's something that was an intentional family decision that we made, which since making that decision, um, we are staying in that decision for multiple reasons that don't have anything to do with the original reason. Um, you know, homeschooling, I think is pretty much the best and only option at this point, but Anyways, uh, but that's that was one of the things we did. So I don't know if that answers. No, that doesn't that, answer that's your what question. you're looking for. Yeah, um, I I feel like I've heard you grapple with what it looks like to have those hard conversations with your kids. But one thing I've heard you say mm. is, I don't think it's a bad thing that they have oh. to mm-hmm. um, learn these skills to kind of learn these interpersonal skills that make them look outside themselves. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They are. Um, yeah. They are both Judah, Judah's right now. He's, he's listening to Temple Grandin's book, mm-hmm. which if you don't know, Temple Grandin is autistic herself mm-hmm. and yet has accomplished. Yeah. So the much. Movie's great. Yeah. We've watched it as a family several times. And so he's listening to her book and um, yeah, I, I think that I feel like my boys, if, if, God blesses them with a godly woman that they will be incredible husbands and fathers. Um, the way that they, they do automatically kind of look for the outsider, you know, my mm-hmm. oldest son at yeah. school, one of his closer friends is, is on the spectrum. And I asked him one time, I said, you know, he said, well, no one was sitting with them. So I sat with them and he's just kind of funny and I like him, you know, but yeah. they, they don't, I don't think they see it, but my husband and I see how they, they are, you, they are kind of drawn to that you know, not least mm-hmm. of these, but you know, like mm-hmm. the one that's not going to be naturally easy to, to hang around yeah. with. And, um, you know, other kids may have chores like, you know, Ezra put the babies down. Well, Elisha's chore will be, um, will you play stuffed animals with your sister for 30 minutes? And they, they try and they, I don't know, it's just their giving of themselves mm-hmm. and spending that time with her and having to, you know, turn the other cheek and all these things that you want, these character qualities that you want your kids to have. Um, God has, you know, everything is needful that he gives. God has given them mm-hmm. her as a sister and it's, it's, you're right. It's, it is pruning them and it is changing them and, um, giving them a challenge they would not have otherwise had, but they also love her. Yeah. You know, and they say, we love playing with her. Yeah. You know, oh, that's so, precious. and I, I know that it gives them empathy and, you know, the definition, the difference with the definition of sympathy versus empathy, sympathy, you feel sorry for someone, but you haven't experienced what they've gone through empathy you you've 
experienced the grief. And so while they have not walked Evie's road, they have been the brothers of someone walking Evie's road. Mm -hmm. And I have felt the same way about having a dad who's bipolar, Mm. that it gives me the ability to relate to people in a way that that either struggle with mental health themselves or Mm -hmm. have relatives who do Mm -hmm. that I wouldn't normally be able to have because I wouldn't wouldn't get it. On that same note, I do feel like sometimes when people are asking me this question about like, I can't relate to you because you don't have my exact life circumstance. Could you bring on someone who has something close to my life circumstance? And I do feel like there's going to be a ton of people listening, nodding along and saying, she gets me. Oh man, I recognize that. I've got a version of that. I do think, and I've talked about this in other episodes, that it is a little bit dangerous though, if we're seeking out kind of a carbon copy of our struggles. Mm, Yeah. I talk about this in heart is not the same thing as bad, that we have not all booked the same ticket on the same struggle bus. Like, just because that's a shirt. So yeah, I know. I know that is a shirt. <laughs> or about hate pros. Um, just because our struggle doesn't look like just someone else's doesn't mean that biblical principles don't apply mm-hmm. of contentment mm-hmm. of dying mm-hmm. to self. I was just listening to you talk about how your kids are looking for those who might be marginalized or those who might be on the fringes because they don't quite fit in. Mm -hmm. That is an example of that kernel going into the ground and dying and produces Mm -hmm. much fruit. Like they have been given what many people would not view as a good opportunity, what the world certainly views as a detriment and something that would have hindered them and instead given them eyes of compassion and empathy for those who struggle and have so much to offer, Mm -hmm. but, but have a struggle that's more obvious than the rest mm-hmm. of our struggles, mm-hmm. which we all have, that mm-hmm. are sometimes more covered over by. Yeah. Easier easy to be around. around. Yes. Easier to yeah. be around. Exactly. And so my, my thought is that it is good. And I think the Lord is gracious to offer us people. You're one of them. My husband is another one who understands some of the things that we've been through. We have said so often, yeah. like, I'm so glad you get this aspect of my life because it makes it where I can relate to you. I can hear from Mm -hmm. you. I can share with you freely. And I think that that is a huge gift. Can you talk a little bit about this idea though, that even within the world of moms who have disabled kids, it's not ever going to kind of quite line up and that's okay. Yeah. Um, so I think that, I think that pain wants companionship. Like when you're in pain, Mm -hmm. I also feel like, one of the lies of the enemy is that your pain, no one else has your pain. Yeah. It's very branded just to you. Yeah. And um, kind of this almost like, you know, the, the, one of the lies about who God is himself, that he kind of is up there with the microscope, like, you know, not microscope. What's the thing? Magnifying Thank glass you. trying to burn <laughs> I, was, I, yeah, I was trying to bring the boys on the sidewalk for yeah. burning stuff. Um, but um I think that that is one of the ways that the, this is not quite answering you, but it's one of the ways that the enemy keeps us uh, sort of victimized, if I can say, like my pain, you know, no one else has this brand of pain. And so I'm not going to go and find and try and relate to you if yours is not the same as mine. So you're like stuck in it, but at the same time, we were not created to be in pain alone and like pain wants mm-hmm. a companion. Mm-hmm. You want someone to grieve with you. Yeah, want we're someone... supposed to mourn with those who mourn yes. and with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. Yes. And bringing darkness into light is what puts light on it, you know, and, and, um, and in, not that our pain is 
in and of itself sin. Sometimes it's a result of sin, but it's a dark thing. It's it's not a original uh, creation thing. It's a result of the fall. And so trying to find, like you said, like this perfect match of like, well, you know, she can be content because her daughter has special needs, but at least she can walk. Mm -hmm. At least she can feed herself. Mm -hmm. At least she can yes. talk. Yes. Well, you know, and I mean, I don't know. If you're trying to find the perfect you know, brand of pain that fits your brand of pain. One, that's kind of where the enemy wants you because it keeps you isolated. Yeah. And then you're never going to find, no one's ever going to be able to speak words of life into you. Yeah. And um, you're going to just kind of sit in that place of, of death. And that is what, I mean, not being content, feeling like sorry for yourself or just that, that's a dark and lonely place and kind of that victim mindset. Like you're not, you're not, you, you can have joy in any circumstance. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it says, Paul said that. And, um, I mean, there are, I could look at other people's situations and be like, wow, their situation's worse than mine. Yeah. Or I could look at like, you know, you're my best friend. And I'm never like, wow, you know, we don't have a hard time relating with the fact that you have three healthy daughters and I don't Yeah, like, we don't, that doesn't really come up, you know? Yeah. And I'm, um, I'm does that make sense? Yes. And I'm certainly not being like, well, I have three kids to your every one. So how do you oh, yeah, deal yeah, yeah. with Yeah, you I've never throw people, that in my face. No. I, well, and I, it would be horrible if I did, but I've heard that mindset as well. Like, well, they don't even know just the sheer demands of how, you know, there's just so many more humans yeah. in my house. So yep. sure, they may have a special, it, it, it's wrong. Yeah. There's no, no doubt that you have nights that are definitely going to be harder than mine. You know, I mean, you see what I'm saying? Like, yeah, everyone's twins or like, something else. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, and, you know, Evie's, you know, watching Paw Patrol on the iPad and happy. Like, I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. So, um, I would, I guess what I'm saying is, yes, you, you, like, like I said, my really good friend Gina in Houston, her son is, um, has Down syndrome. And so, um, but he, he can read, right? So he's going to have things that are different. But like, I think what the thing is, is if you can, if the enemy can convince you that you have to find the perfect brand of pain in order to listen to someone's wisdom, he's already got you. Because to not yeah. reach out, mm -hmm. right? And yeah. to take, um, yeah. And like, and, and of course, what you said, I mean, scripture is scripture to be content in all circumstances and um, to the, the, the battle cry should always be, you know, less of me, more of him and whatever, vehicle he chooses to get you there which mm -hmm. for me for my life this was one of them yeah you know is yeah. is having a daughter that that and and like i said um you know it's humbling but also like we have a great time with her you know she's yeah we've learned a lot and um and you are you know, very intentional about finding um, you're very intentional with all three of your kids in the same way that I'm trying to be intentional with all 10 of my kids. You study their likes, you know, mm -hmm. what Evie loves, you know, what Judah loves. So there's not really, while there are lots of modifications that you have to make, like the showering and the hair brushing and things like that, mm -hmm. that you wouldn't normally have to do for a 15 year old. Um, the principle which we're talking about that the principles are sound, yeah. even if the particulars don't line up exactly yeah. the principle of studying our kids and learning what they love and finding what works well to interact with them in a mm -hmm. way that brings them and us joy mm -hmm. still applies. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And I hear so many times I have friends who have kids with down syndrome and they're like, you know, I wish you had a child like my child. Oh, I yeah. wish you could experience <laughs> yeah. the joy yeah. of this, 
um, caring, just cheerful, mm-hmm. giving, always generous happy. spirit, <laughs> yeah. always happy. And so um, that's a particular diagnosis that I know a lot of people dread, mm-hmm. but, but so much I hear is that they just don't understand, mm-hmm. you know, and yet that, that is not your path right. because Evie is not always happy. And you got to kind of think, and that's why it kind of takes back to the thing of what was I grieving is why do they dread it? Right. Because it's hard for me to go, you know, like you said, like I'm thinking of Courtney, like the Down syndrome kids, they're all pretty happy with their life. So Mm -hmm. us feeling like, oh, poor them. They're like, why poor us? We're fine. And so it just makes you realize some of the, and, and yes, Evie has had moments of, I don't have any friends, but then she also like, man, just get her a new Build-A-Bear and some Legos and she's good. You know, like. There is some she doesn't simplicity. Know what she's exactly. Yeah. She, she's not, she is content in her yeah. circumstances much of the time, more so than we are content for her or, you know, insert yes. somebody else's name. Right. And so it's not trite to say when Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And he doesn't mean I can heal my daughter. He doesn't have a daughter, but if he were, he, yeah. it doesn't mean I can, I can heal all of her medical woes through Christ who strengthens me. I can assure that she is never rejected through Christ who strengthens me. Instead, it's it's taking responsibility for himself in Christ's strength. I can be content that these are the circumstances that the Lord gave mm-hmm. me that are needful for me and my walk with the Lord, specifically mm-hmm. through Christ who strengthens mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. And that is such an important distinction to make, I think, because um, it's exactly what you were saying earlier. The minute our eyes get focused on what someone else has or doesn't have that we wish we did or didn't have, and how that means that we then cannot latch on to principles that are right, good, and true mm-hmm. is the moment that we have lost the thread to some extent of God's goodness in our life. Mm-hmm. And the fact of the matter is that whether it is an autistic daughter or a bipolar dad or your own terminal diagnosis, or I mean, I could go through the list. Mm-hmm. I'm just thinking of people that I know, yeah. um, your past, you know, coming to back to haunt you or whatever consequences of either sin and bad decisions or just living in a fallen world. The fact of the matter is God is still good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and also not, not choosing those things within those circumstances, not choosing the contentment, all that within that, the circumstances is kind of altering the scripture to fit you. Mm. Like I know he said, preach, I should be content, but surely he didn't mean with this. Or oh with, man. You know? I have heard that so many times I've thought it before, for sure. Before you capture that. I mean, I, I think that's kind of an underlying thought. I've thought it about really um, petty things like the blowout when I just use my last diaper, like mm. Lord, like this is so silly. Yeah. Why did we need to do this now? But, the, but my ability to genuinely be discontented in that moment yeah. is an indication of my need for sanctification mm-hmm. because it's interesting how sometimes it's the bigger things that I can be more content in. Like, Lord, you're sovereign. You gave me this cross to bear. You flooded our house. You're still good. You have a purpose in this. Mm-hmm. Like, like you know, kind of handled that with his strength without feeling too resentful of it at all. It was yeah. just like, you must have a purpose in this. But I'm ticked off that the toddler is freaking out when I'm late, you know? Yeah. So I think it applies to the big circumstances yeah. and the little ones. Yep. Yeah. Um, I think those are the main things that I wanted to chat with you. You're like, I did, we're done. (laughs) No, I'm just like, it's just, you know, when we talk either by voice memo or daily and then then you're like, here's a mic and an audience. And I'm like, I don't know where to look. (laughs) 
<laughs> no, you you're know. doing you're doing great. Um, but yeah, I think Anyways. that there will be a lot of people that will be encouraged by your story. Um, I know there will be, I will get messages from people that will say, thank you for bringing your friend on to share because this part of it was what I needed to hear today. Oh, I hope, well, I hope so. Yeah. I, I guarantee yeah. you. So, um, I think the Lord is good to do that, to give us pieces of other people's stories. And it's why I wanted mm-hmm. to have you here to say my truth is truth, no matter what, mm-hmm. but I understand that you needed this piece of encouragement. Mm-hmm. So my yeah. encouragement for you today and Lindsay's encouragement, I know as well, is to um, to not isolate yourself, mm-hmm. to be willing to share your pain with others um, when the Lord brings along that person with whom you can, because mm-hmm. there are some people that will receive it better than others. Um, I think another thing that I see in you that's so important and definitely something the Lord convicts me to do is to... Um, look outside yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, the closer we hold our pain to our chest and the more we drop our chin and gaze directly at it, instead of, you know, as the song says, looking full in his wonderful face, the more likely we are to feel like this is the only thing there is. This is kind of all encompassing. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes me think we're, we're reading the hiding place together as a family. Slowly. We've been poking along um, but it's one of my favorite books I've ever read. I, I think I read it as when I was young, but I don't didn't remember the particulars. Um, but it's Betsy, um, Corey Tinboom, Betsy Tinboom's The Sisters attitude that is so convicting. Corey's a little more relatable. She gets mad. Mm-hmm. She gets read it. resentful. It's so good. Okay. Read it. Read it. Okay. Read it to your boys. They will. We're love on it. Secret Garden, um, which is wonderful. Too. <laughs> but. Um, Corey is famously known for saying that the only safe place is in the center of God's will. Mm. And she truly believed it was God's will that they be caught and sent to prison, not because these people were doing right, but because the Lord had a purpose in it. And he did. Mm. And he has, and he's just multiplied her story and used it to bless millions of people across the world. And that would not have happened. She would have impacted the Jews that she was saving particularly. And that would have been enough. But then the Lord literally took that kernel of dying, which was her father died in prison Mm -hmm. and her sister died in the concentration camp and then has multiplied it to bless and preach the gospel to literally millions of people. So she was right. Not that we're surprised because she was speaking truth, Mm -hmm. but it's Betsy that is the most convicting to me and to Corey. You can see because at one point Corey finds out who has betrayed them and she's so angry and because her father died in obscurity And she has been, you know, struggling with all of these maladies and she's been put in solitary confinement. She can't see her family. She doesn't know how they're doing. And she says, Betsy, I can't remember the the wording she uses exactly, but it's kind of like, I'm just, I just feel so strongly. And Betsy goes, oh, me too. I feel so sorry for him. Of course, she's angry. Corey's angry at the man who betrayed them. And um, Betsy says, I know I've, I've been praying for him. I do feel terrible for him. Corey, like how how wretched he must be mm. and Corey has this moment where she's and she it happens several times throughout the book but she goes yet again I looked at my sister and thought what world are you from like what mm. you are not of this world that that's where your brain first went but I think in relation to what I was just saying a minute ago Betsy wasn't looking at herself and her own struggles mm-hmm. she was looking at what someone else was yeah. dealing with well and you um sorry um 
tangent because I'm, you know, I'm doing that missions course, the perspectives course, that's just amazing for the second time. And one of the things that I'm thinking of is you're talking about they're like in the center of God's will and look at how it multiplied the story. Um, the fact that not only does he save us, but he gives us an opportunity to participate in what he's doing. That's where I've realized the greatest joy is like, there is joy in knowing him and in being redeemed and knowing that, you know, your sins are forgiven and you're yeah. going to, but it wasn't supposed to just be that. Yeah. Right. So to be like what you're doing, like to be able to be part of this plan that he has, it's like, I, I told a friend, it's like, um, there's a movie and the script's already been written and it's being filmed and they're casting and it's going to happen whether you are in it or not, but you want to be in it. Mm. And it's like, that is part that to me is how I've been. He's been showing me lately that it's not um, to, to be part of his kingdom coming on earth as it is in heaven. And and we know like in revelations, it, when it says that, then I saw, you know, the lamb and, and they opened the scroll and they said, worthy are you? And it's like, so sorry, that relating to having special needs kid or whatever, isn't it's, I'm just thinking that he gave this. Mm -hmm. And if he gave me this thing, my, my response is yes. Yeah. You know, it should be yes, because whatever you're doing, that's what I want to be part of. Yeah. And I could, yeah, I could be a believer and not say yes and maybe live my life in discontent and bitter. And when I die, I'll still go to heaven or whatever. But it says, um, I forget where it is. You may know, maybe it's in Corinthians that it says, no man can lay a foundation other than the foundation laid, which is Jesus Christ. Mm. However, whether he builds on it with wood, hay and stubble or bricks, he, and it talks about how the, what it's built on. And then it says, gosh, I wish I could find it, but it says um, that the man who built with the hay still may escape, but only as one through barely escaping through the flames, yeah. it says. Mm -hmm. And so anyways, that was a tangent that you can choose to cut or leave, but I'm just <laughs> thinking about how, Whatever he has for me, whatever he has in his hands that he is giving me is a yes. I want it yeah. because I want to be part of whatever he's doing. And um, anyways, no, that's I don't so know good. where that fits in. But and, and, and two, whenever you were talking to them and saying what we're going to leave you with and stuff, just that he wants to comfort us. He is good and his joy is in healing our pain. Like one of the things, you know, it says in Isaiah that he will wipe every tear from their eyes. So if you are in pain and you feel like you're isolated or you feel like you can't relate to anybody and this is just, it, there really has been times where it is suffocating and I, it's exhausting. And you've heard me on the trail in those times, but just to know that, um, God is, he is, he is a God that is involved in the details now and, um, that Jesus, you know, he lives to intercede for his saints and, that um he's 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 there to heal the brokenhearted you know yeah. and bring beauty from ashes so absolutely so yes we want to encourage you that whatever you're going through is not without purpose that the lord has chosen you not because of how great you are but because of how great he is and will be through you as you are a willing vessel just like Lindsay was talking about and that um he is able to work even this, whatever mm -hmm. your even this is mm -hmm. for good. And that's not just a trite platitude. 
um, and will do so, he has promised, for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. If you enjoyed the MS for Mama podcast, I would be so honored if you would subscribe and follow along, maybe share with friends or even leave a review. And if you want more content on motherhood and biblical responses to cultural issues, be sure to follow along on Instagram at m.is.4.mama.